Welcome back for episode four of the Euphoria podcast. It is season five, and this week we've brought on Cadrell. He's going to be talking to us about season 10 jungle, and as well as kind of figuring out what changes he and Yamato Kano would want to make for their dream jungle, as well as the top five junglers in the LEC. As always, we're available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And to kick things off, we're going to play the greatest game of all time. All right, welcome to a segment that we are calling Spot the Inter. Inevitably, anytime a gank goes wrong, someone is at fault. It could be the laner, it could be the jungler. And since Cadrill's here, he's going to help us dissect the differences. Who is the Inter in any given play? Now, I'll give you guys the play by play if you're in podcast land so you understand what play, hopefully, paint a nice, beautiful picture for you, and we'll get some reactions from Yamato Cannon and Cadrill. And uh, let's take a look at the first play. All right, so for context, our first play is between XL and Mad Lions from last week of the LEC. It starts as Humanoid tries to back, protected by his jungler shadow. Suddenly, a wild pantheon runs into the tower, flashes over the wall, one-shots him. Now, Elise is left alone with Mickey as Mickey righteously lays his spear into the face of a spider and kills the spider, too. That's all you need to know. Happens right by the raptor pits, a quick double kill, a supreme display of balance. But I'm curious, you lived this moment, Cadrill. Yeah. So who's who's the inter here? Who made the mistake? Was it Humanoid? Was it Shadow? Well, I guess it's hard to say, but I don't think Humanoid should have flashed away in the first place, level two. And then I guess they didn't expect it to be warded because who expects their Raptors to be warded at three minutes? Um, but as soon as Mickey flashes over the wall, I think, yeah, they're both just dead. <laughs> so are they both the inter? So I guess they're both the inter, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Elise could have actually flashed away and just gone one for zero instead of two for zero. So I guess both of them are inting. I like the twist. You like the twist? I like the ward. Ward MVP. Did you put this ward? Um, so for record, there is, there's remember. a ward in the raptor pit that spots Elise and Rise backing. I don't think or Rise backing and Elise killing the cannon. I think it was Mickey's ward. Okay. I don't know how he got a ward there, but I have sweeper, so it must have been him. Ward MVP. Holy. Yeah. Man, Mickey, the one man, the one man army. Absolutely. All right. Madman. So I'm gonna be honest with you, Cade. When we started to to do this segment, the original plan was we're gonna get three three plays to recap the LEC. But through the joy of internet research, we've now got one play to recap the LEC. That was this one. Okay. And now we're going down a freaking rabbit hole. So get ready. We'll give you we'll give you play two next. We're going down memory lane. Yeah, so this is from season three, Dragonborn's verse fanatic. Okay. You'll note that the gank here is happening on the bottom side of the map, but does feature top laners Soaz of Fnatic and Yamato Cannon of brief fame on the Dragonborn. Oh, boy. Also, it's from Season 3, so the map looks like utter trash. So be ready for that. <laughs> yeah, so first off, we have legendary Soaz Nunu as unknown Jarvan jungler whose name I cannot read as standing. So as walks in, he consumes, he's back to full health, Yamato Kane is doing no, no damage, but then it's a flag and drag at Ignite, and Cyanide waddles out of the bush at the last possible moment to try to queue and gets absolutely nothing done. So here, here's the question. One, if you're not on YouTube right now and this play seems confusing to you, there is a Nasus jungle. The Nasus jungle is Cyanide. It's also season three and every champion looks completely different than what they look like now. So I encourage you to watch this one in real time. You made the mistake of letting me choose the clips. I, I did. Because you, you can play spot the inter, but you can also the spot the, the, the insane the smurfer. wave management <laughs> right insane there. Wave <laughs> the early ignite on the Nunu, you're like denying <laughs> the healing. Yeah. Okay, so aside from a Yamato ego boost, you, how do you feel about this play in general? It can be spot the inter, it can also just be like, holy crap, what a mess of a game. Can we, we watch played. it again? Yeah, we can watch it again. I think there's a small, a small bit of int going on, but I just need to make sure. <laughs> I'm sitting right here, okay? <laughs> Watch the play again. So the EQ comes in. Yep. Nasus uh, comes out the bush. It's hard to say, actually, because Nunu has no flash, so... It's a smart counter gank, but it's a smart gank. I think they lose 2v2, so it's hard to find the inter here. I guess Soaz is the inter because he's playing Nunu. That's my conclusion. <laughs> yes. All okay. right, spot the inter Soaz. <laughs> well, now, this oh. is this is... Fun fact, since you rained and we brought in a replay of your competitive days, I got pinged by stats as I was... was oh, no, like, no, don't know? go there, man. <laughs> <laughs> did you know that on average you died four times a game as a top laner? Yeah. Wow. I go. know it. People have told me over and over. <laughs> this is uh, in my nightmares. 
the statistic. I thought you would bring up my win ratio, which is even. <laughs> no, no. Oh, think no I think we all know how bad. <laughs> do, you, do you remember who won that game? Uh, probably not us. Oh. <laughs> I think we lost. Yeah, we lost definitely. Sad times. I would remember if I beat Fnatic. Yeah. You would. You would definitely bring that up. I feel like every yeah. time you're like, I've beaten Fnatic before, and let me tell you, it's no easy feat. All right, our third and final play comes a very from a very far away league known as the LCS, formerly the NALCS. <clears throat> now I'm going to warn you all for at home, if you haven't watched this play, it's worth watching with your eyes. But I'll do my best to explain with you. But this is going to be the biggest catastrophe that we have ever witnessed or heard on the euphoria podcast medios running to mid lane to help ryoma ryoma instantly one shots crown crown goes back under his tier one tower calling behind him he goes golden in the zanyas the flag and drag from medios comes in on a stunned target he misses completely he clicks the wrong way he can no longer cataclysm he's forced to cataclysm wiggly under the tower he instantly dies kadrel i mean jarvin is just the dirtiest inter of them all <laughs> so first of all the eq he can time it better, because I think you can kill him as he comes out of Zonyas. Yeah, if you time it right, you in he instantly dies. Yeah, but even though he didn't do that, even when Lucian dashes, you can still ultim ultimate him like pretty much instantly. But he clicked the wrong way, and yeah. you can see it. This is the best. I think that Meteos clicks the wrong way after missing the EQ, and then can no longer click because Lucian flash dashes out of the way. He looked a bit dizzy there, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I think that he could have definitely ulted him as soon as he came out of the Zonyas, but happens. Is this the? Do you feel like this is the worst jungle play of 2020? I saw one, it was another Javan who like EQ'd in, flash EQ'd, I think he was weekly, who flash EQ'd onto a Rek'Sai and then just died, <laughs> level 4 in mid lane. I saw that one, that one was even more dead than this one, I think, but this oh, one was pretty bad. <laughs> my bad, I guess. Couldn't find it. <laughs> this one was my favorite. I liked it. This one's good. Yeah. This I, is This is like so comically bad that like... I think you just forgive me. Like I forgive Medios for this play. I'm like, this is. Do so you? Yeah, I mean, this is like a once in a lifetime mistake. We'll be remembered. This is not like the what was it like the was it the Jensen or the Bjerg? It was the Jensen Zanyas or whatever in Game Five or the mm. Bjergs and Zanyas in Game Five that people still bring up all the time to flame. This is like, this is so comically hilariously bad that you're just gonna give the benefit of the doubt that it was an off day. I, I just feel bad for Zoe, you know, because she actually is about to solo kill a world champion. Yeah. From Os, jungle, the Os import, in. you come in, you're yeah. gonna solo kill a world champion. Your jungle's like, don't worry, bro, I got you. I've got you, and just runs it down <laughs> and gives him a kill. Sucks. Yeah. I think one of the thieves won this game, though. Really? That's that's the craziest part about it. After this, uh, running it down, I think CLG is 4 so uh, I think so. Well, dude, I don't know. I don't actually. I, outside of these wonderful highlights that you share with me, I don't watch a lot of LCS. I'm not <laughs> okay. gonna lie to you. That's but rough. these are these are the moments I live for. The truly great plays and the truly, um, let's just call them the big in plays. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter uh, together with some like jungle music from like some game that's twenty. Years oh old. yeah, yeah, Chakra is yeah. the Donkey Kong music. Exactly. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, that's gonna be it for Spot the Enter. Um, Three plays across the years of League of Legends. The enters were, who were the enters? Shadow, because he could have left. Soaz, because he played top Nunu in, I think, season three. I don't know if that was good. In which season. might have been good, but it's which just, might have just been funny. <laughs> it's just funny. And last but not, certainly not least, certainly the most actually, is Medios with the single worst display of Jarvan mechanics we've seen in many years. Many, many years. All right, Kajal. We've gotten another 30 plays for you. I'm kidding. We're here to talk to you today about the jungle. As much as we love playing Spot the Enter, it is my favorite game. We'll have more opportunities in the future. Uh, but we're here today like, to talk about a couple things. One is this, the state of the jungle. And I would say the jungle is a mess from an outside viewer's perspective. From a person who played jungle one time in preseason, was confused how someone got five levels ahead of me. Um, I never touched it again, frankly. But watching you... Run around the map on on your you know your Jarvan or your whatever at level four while you're solo leaner to level seven, is uh is a bit traumatic. How, how do you feel about about the season ten jungle changes? A, a lot happened, a lot going through. Ten three is going to offer some more changes, maybe to make things better. But as we're still playing on ten two, like how do you feel about this season's jungle so far? Well, I think throughout season nine, basically last year, I think most junglers were just doing like red golems raptors, and then from there they just decided what to do with the game. I think when they did the jungle changes with the Grum, for example, I think they wanted to kind of give junglers more options, like more pathing, which I think they kind of succeeded at. Now you can get level three in multiple different waves. Uh, you can go to Krugs, you can go to Grump, uh, you can take the enemy Grump, which is really important now. 
Um, so there's definitely a lot more diversity in the jungle in terms of pathing, but the XP is just so low now that no matter what option you choose, you're ending up at, like, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is you're going to be down three levels no matter what. So, I mean, yeah, it did give birth to, like, junglers like Javan, where you can be really aggressive early game. And I think that that's how the jungle kind of works now. When it, when the changes came in, I think most junglers are like, oh, now I just have to sit in my jungle and farm all game. But it's kind of the opposite. It's like you have to spam gank and then pray you get XP from minions. <laughs> so, yeah. As when we like when we look at it, you talk about opening the way for for champions like Jarvan. Do you feel like there's a lot of champions that were also cut out? Because I feel like as long as we've been looking at the jungle meta, it's been some variation of Leeson, Elise, Jarvan, Gragas. Olaf is something that a lot of people have picked, and it's, it's kind of never gone away. But we're not. I feel like for the last year and a half, we haven't really seen much jungle diversity past the I guess the Karthus that showed up and was promptly nerfed afterwards or the Kiana maybe a Talia but outside of those three picks kind of coming in and out mm. it feels like it's always just been those constant four to five champions yeah I agree I mean I think that there's two different tiers in jungle you have the farm till three items tier which is like Graves, Kha'Zix, Nidalee and then you have the spam gank and invade which is Lee and Elise Jarvan and I think that you only see a change in the champion pool when you buff the XP or you change the items in jungle. I don't think there's any other way to kind of label the different types of junglers without actually changing items or XP. I think just nerfing XP means uh, more ganking junglers are just better because there's no point farming anymore. And obviously if you sit in your jungle nowadays as Graves and Kha'Zix and farming, then you're no matter what you do, you're going to be three levels down. So yeah, it's kind of hard to open that door up for farming junglers. Does it feel, Yamato, from your perspective, does it feel very restricted? Because on the one hand, you talked about, like, oh, the pathing can be much more intelligent, it can be much more varied, it feels like there's more going on there, but also you're, like, you're as you said, you're three levels down, and you can play basically five champions, it feels like. Mm -hmm. Does it does it feel limited to you, Yamato, from your perspective? Uh, it's limited in the f in the fact that, um, like, sure, I think, like, you have, a le like, level three power spike, and that's the time where you might be ahead a level if you gang bottom, maybe. Uh, or maybe top, depending on your jungler. I think beyond that, uh, just just the gap uh, to reach six is is the most difficult part. I remember there was a time back in season four, I believe, or season three, where uh, I remember facing Moscow Five, and what they were doing almost always was that they just gave mid lane waves to Diamond Rocks. And then he reached level six first, and wh whatever jungler reached level six first just won the game because he got ult first and won the first two v two. So that was like the strategy, and maybe this is where we have to go. Like you just uh, you just make sure that you have a mid laner that can clear jungle camps, and then you kind of share kind of everything. You do kind of a, almost a double funnel or something. I don't know. It's uh, it's strange, but as a laner, you know, I love the new jungle because it's so easy to clear. It's always there, it's just spawning. It's like, oh. You're like, oh, those are your raptors? No, those are, yes. those are my raptors. Yes, yes. And so I just look in Rise, and just Rise is like designed to kill jungle, so it's perfect. Uh, other than that, I think, uh, like the jungle champions, the reason the meta is the, the way it is, is because uh, these champions don't need that much gold to be uh, valuable. And uh, in terms of the champion pool, we mentioned Elise, Gragas, and. Uh, and uh, Leeson being a part of it, there was a time where these champions were like the most OP laners. Yeah. And then I feel like um, uh, Riot has accepted that these champions are going to be junglers and they've like committed to the idea of making them junglers. And uh, maybe that's the next step, just accept that this champion is a jungler and then just uh, balance them completely around jungle. I mean, it'd be interesting to, to see like what that looks like. Because now, I mean, We've got jungle changes coming in hot. Sejuani potentially coming back. Sejuani's the other big one that I forgot that was nerfed out of existence. <laughs> yeah. That's the other champion. The vaguely tanky kit full of CC and or doing potential and or AoE. And one-shot potential. And and yes. also one-shot potential. Sejuani <laughs> was, was a wholesome, a wonderful display of balance. I'm looking forward to solo lane Camille coming back if Sejuani does as well. Um, but, I mean, like, when I look at this, when I look to me, I, it just... The, the the general sentiment around this that I'm reading and that I'm, you know, kind of talking to Ender about is that it just feels like there are situations in solo queue where, like, if you're, like, in insane jungle and you're just better than your opponent, you get, like, four levels up and you feel like a god. But in pro, it just looks miserable. Like, every time I see a jungler go top against a rumble and they're level four and rumble's <laughs> level six, I'm convinced they're going to get one shot. Like, yeah. how, how much do you, like, are you very conscious all the time when you're playing about, like, how much weaker you are 
than like enemy solo laners? Does it feel much more risky to like go for the ganks that when you were talking about earlier, you say like you pretty much have to go for these ganks? Yeah, so I think Yamato was right. I think level three, you're obviously kind of strong. So going for these ganks is really good. And then kind of whichever jungler gets to six first is obviously 10 times stronger than another jungler. So I think like let's say your mid lane gets solo killed and there's a huge wave coming into tower. If your jungler can soak up that wave, even though he got solo killed, it feels amazing because you're, you're almost two levels up now, somehow out of nowhere. So it still feels good. So when you do go for these ganks, like you are level six, but if your mid lane doesn't get solo killed, then you're level four. <laughs> it's just how it goes. But I think, yeah, I mean, if you have no flash from like level three ganking and then you go top and enemy rumbles level six and you like E onto him as Gregas, yeah, you're going to the fountain, I think. Um, I think that it's, it's tricky to know your limits, but I think it's something you have to get accustomed to. But I think that Junglers obviously have a lot less dueling potential now. And I think that when you do get Red Smite and two Long Swords, for example, on Rek'Sai and Lee Sin, you do have some dueling potential. And then when you get Warrior, you're kind of strong, but then it's just downhill from there. Um, <laughs> when Ryze has two items and he presses E, Q, W on you or something, you're just one shot. Um, yeah, there's no way around it, really. <laughs> I just, I love how level-headed you are about it, because, like, everything that I read is, like, very intense. Like, very extreme, right? Like, people are just generally hyperbolic on the internet, so they're like, this is awful, playing jungle is miserable. And you're like, yeah, it's different, it's balanced, it's a little tough, but I make it work. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like everyone knows jungle sucks now, right? <laughs> so at, at one point, instead of complaining about it, you just have to embrace it. And I think that's what most pro junglers have done. They just embrace it, that they're dogs, so <laughs> you just have to adapt. Is nice. there, um, the thing that I love, though, about this is that I think for the longest time, one of the big complaints I heard is that Red Smite is super broken. Does it, I think that the good news for all the people who hate Red Smite is that it's now much more balanced because the jungler is just permanently two <laughs> levels slower than you. So yeah. it's how you keep the scales pretty even. Uh, when you look at this, there's obviously changes coming on 10-3, um, putting some experience back into the Krugs, changing things around a little bit. But I'm, I'm curious, like, in your... As a, as a guy who has a lot of strong, like, or a lot of opinions about jungle, I'm curious, what what does your ideal jungle look like? Because it sounds like you do see some of the positives in these jungle changes. Once again, not trying to advocate for these jungle changes, but you said, like, hey, it makes pathing much more interesting, much more diverse. Like, you can take any path you want pretty much to get to level three, which makes things a lot more creative. What What is your ideal jungle look like? I think you should maybe add a mechanic where you get more XP from enemy jungle camps. Nice. I think something like that would, would make the jungle a lot more exciting. Then you could have these Jarvans where, like Jarvan or Leeson, where you can level two invade and take their Gromp and you get bonus XP. Or you can have champions like Nidalee and Graves who are farming junglers who want to farm, but they can take your camps as well. I think that it would make playing around jungle a lot better in the early game because you can get your jungler advantages by playing aggressive. And I think that it wouldn't scale too much into late game because towards late mid-late game, you don't really play for the enemy camps as much unless you're like not really playing for an objective. So I think that adding interesting different mechanics like that would help. So for example, getting less XP from minions but getting bonus XP from enemy camps. I think something like this would make the jungle like shake it up a bit. And then maybe for season 11, something like that would make it a lot stronger and weaker as well. But I want to warn you, if you're getting less XP from minions and then your mid laner gets solo killed, <laughs> you might only get a single level instead of the two levels that you were so excited about. But you still get the gold. <laughs> <You> still <laughs> still get the Don't gold. tell them about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Yamato, you sound really excited about this, like incentivizing yeah, yeah, yeah. aggressive counter jungling. Like, there was a time where uh, I remember there was this jungle item, the, the ghost one. Like the trackers, oh, not yeah. the trackers knife, the but poachers the dirk. poachers dirk. Poachers oh, yeah, dirk. Yeah. There was poachers dirk, which turned into serrated dirk, and then yep. there was I don't remember what the other one. There was another one. It was that like it, a like a ghosty thing. It and was. It gave you more gold if you stole enemies' camps, but I don't yeah. think it was more experience. That was that was good fun, but at the time it was just overshadowed by purple smite. Like purple smite. Oh yeah, was it was really harvester busted. smite or whatever because it just you, like you just it, smite AO, the raptor, it was an it just, AOE. just yeah, one shot everything. You got mana, you got HP, and it was just really really busted. So it was completely overshadowed, but I'm I'm with you on the idea of uh, like uh, getting rewarded for taking enemy camps. Uh, I think we would have um, a lot of scenarios where map the map might be d divided in a sense. Like it would encourage people to like if you're a weaker jungler, like oh uh, you divide the map, and then if you're a stronger jungler, you always look to match. So I think there's um, a lot of uh, room to a kind of um, experiment. I like it. It's definitely better than this. You know, people are complaining about jungle now. But last year, I felt like junglers were way too OP. I don't know how yeah, you felt. I agree. Like season nine, the junglers were one-shotting everyone. Like they were uh, even level if they played good. A better jungle wins. Uh, now I feel like it's like worse jungler loses. Because like some games it's now, like, it's yeah. like 
you have a jungler that he just comes to your lane, he's level four and you're level seven, you're like, man, just go away. <laughs> Get what are you doing here, man? This is, uh, this is kind of the juxtaposition of it all. Because I want to remind people that season nine was, was not that beautiful in terms of jungling. Yeah, I think in season nine, if the jungler gets three or four kills, it's just a struggle for your jungler. <laughs> um, but now it's like, as a jungler, you don't really want to take the kills because no matter how many kills you get in this patch, you're not going to be able to kill the enemy solo lanes no matter what. So you kind of want to give your kills to your solo laners. But in terms of jungle, like ideal jungle, I think this XP thing with the um, enemy camps is really good. I also think if you want to introduce Tracker's Knife again to like get rid of this red smite dueling thing, just put in some wards for junglers or like give them some kind of vision mechanic. Because right now it's just have wards or have sweeper, that's it. I think some kind of mechanic like that. And then, yeah, just more XP. And it would give more incentives to junglers like Elise, for example to like gank and push out the enemy top and then play for the enemy camps instead of just gank and then dive and then base and then dive and then base and then dive again. <laughs> so it just gives more, yeah. I mean, I'm excited about all this. I do want to say that I'm not a member of the design team and I kind of wish we brought Ender here because Ender usually has <laughs> really strong opinions and has a bit more of like the behind the scenes insight because when you, when you describe this to me, like especially as a caster, I love this stuff. Giving junglers more wards, not necessarily, because I remember the heydays. Like that was the peak LCK when you had to have any form of extra wards, whether it was Sightstone or Green Smite or whatever. Um, not excited about wards, but counter jungling is good. I want a reason to fight more early, because that's what scuttlecrabs were supposed to be, right? And it like kind of worked when they were really, really powerful, and then they made them spawn both at the same time, and now it feels like everyone just handshakes on the trade. Mm. And then season ten, they nerfed jungle into the ground. And now it's like, well. We don't want to help you contest Scuttlecrab because we're taking your Raptor camp, and yeah. it's a much better deal. I mean, there's loads of ways you can go about it, right? Like, Yamato was right. You can kind of split the map level one then, and then you could just cross map, and both junglers get to level th four evenly. But you could also add, like, small mechanics where uh, enemy jungle camps don't give bonus XP until minute four, minute five, and stuff like this. And you can just play about it loads of different uh, techniques, maybe, like, some kind of stacking mechanic where if you kill a certain amount of large monsters, you get, like, a bonus gold, or you get a ward, or you get... I don't know, something weird. <laughs> Some kind something like that. We're we need good. more bonuses basically. Like the, the poachers thing. Yeah. This the, the turn into Raid Dark. It was a really good concept, I think. The fact that you get it was four enemy camps, yeah, large they monsters. They buffed it down to three, like or halfway three, yeah, three large monsters, yeah. you get an item. Something like that is uh, kinda interesting. You can play about with that in terms of like uh, maybe not giving an item, maybe giving bonus XP mm. in this terms of stacks or bonus gold. I think that's pretty good. I guess the worry would just be always like if the game just turns uh, too snowbally. I remember back in back in season eight, like a few um, was it season eight? I think it was season eight when when uh, you just got invaded on, and then when they took when you got three buffed, you pretty much were out of the game. Yeah. But I guess you just have to find some kind of balance because I think still, even though uh, a lot of people in season nine complained about catch up experience, I like the idea of it because you were kind of. You, you go back on experience, but the enemy had more gold. Mm. And I think uh, that's what it should com come down to. I think you should just give junglers more gold, not necessarily more uh, experience. Because I think you can find like a neat balance where junglers are uh, in a good spot in terms of uh, XP. Because I think that was always the danger in the past. Mm. Yeah, I think I don't know how catch-up XP worked on numbers. But I think if you could nerf catch-up XP, but keep it in the game, I think it was a good a good concept to have where if you fall behind in XP, because nowadays if you fall behind in XP and gold, you're just a cannon minion. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you actually had some kind of levels without the gold, you were still somewhat useful. So catch-up XP, even though it was a bit of a pain because you're like, wait, we're same level, but I'm 10-0. I think it was a bit too extreme maybe. I'm not sure exactly how it worked, but maybe just nerfing the catch-up XP a little bit rather than removing it. So the jungler is like, because I remember in Season 9, Season 8, if you're 10-0, the enemy jungler was the same level as you, which was a bit wrong. I think, one, <laughs> but nowadays, if you're 10 0, the enemy jungler is five levels down, which is a bit wrong too. I think having them like maybe one or two levels down is fine in this kind of like, like this extreme case. But I think some ca form of catch up experience is kind of nice for the game. It's difficult because it's um, specific, specific to laners. Like, even if you're zoned off farm, the, the range is so long that you can still pick up XP. And XP and gold are essentially two different means to the same end, right? It's all combat power. It's all effective combat power. It's stats, it's abilities, it's whatever. So it does feel like especially bad when you don't get catch-up XP, you don't get extra gold for camps. So every camp that you lose, or like let's say you're denied access to one side of your jungle, just feels that much worse. And then also when you hit mid-game and kind of the standard is now for all of your camps to be taxed by your respective laners. Yeah, that's how it goes. It just, 
it it already felt impossible, and now it's like like you're like going around begging, like please, sir, yeah, like, don't take my raptors. Like the only camp, this one spawn. The only camp the junglers can get in mid game is wolves if you're lucky, because both solo lanes on side take your grump and crux. Then your AD takes red, and your mid lane takes blue. So all you've got left is like raptors and wolves. But you know your AD when he has hurricane just one shots the raptors in front of you, and you're just like nah. I can't take this. You're 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 a Jarvan player, and that's that's all you need to be, Cadrill. You said it. Strongest champion in the meta at level <laughs> four for eternity. Just get my ruby crystals, and I'll be fine. <laughs> Quick Cinder Hulk. On the subject of jungle, I'm curious in, in taking camps. I'm curious like what the dynamic is for you on Excel specifically um, this season playing around jungle. Because obviously last you got to play in the in the glory days of last season where jungle mm. was. Maybe a bit too strong, and you had a, like a pretty it's pretty solid season overall. And now you're kind of making the shift. Where how much communication actually goes into this thing, like sharing camps? Is it just an unvoiced thing? Is mm -hmm. it like you're like, hey, take my Raptors. This is the right choice, or is it just like you look down and your Raptors are gone, and this is just the understanding of the team? Well, in season nine, it was like, yeah, the camps were kind of important for jungle, but season nine, Sejuani was OP, and we were first picking it, so. It didn't really matter the camps still, so it was kind of similar to nowadays. But I don't think there's communication in terms of camps. It's just my carry is just kind of yoink it while I'm not looking. You know, I'm in base and then I'm running out of base. I'm like looking at the minimap and there's no camps up. Okay, I must have taken them earlier. My bad. And then I realized like, wait a second, they're not up for like another two minutes. Um, I don't. I mean, I normally take the camps, but if they say like, oh, I have to get IE, I have to get Rabadons, I'm just like, just take it. All I'm getting from it is a ruby crystal, so just crack on. Um, but yeah, just nowadays on the jungle patch, it's not as important to take camps after level 10, level 11, if you can reach that level. <laughs> I think that uh, <laughs> most junglers get their XP from, so the way the game works is mid-prior is super important, right? So yeah. junglers just go with 80 carry and support to push mid-wave. I think that's where most of your XP comes from. And if you're lucky, you can get a scuttle crab. It's like a bonus jackpot. <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> I think it's so, you know... I think Gromp and, and Krugs, I think even in season nine, it was like accepted that uh, solo laners took it. Like I, I realize now why a lot of uh, the junglers in the LPL and the LCK were constantly showing on the midwave because here in Europe, both Fnatic and G2 were doing, they were like hiding in fog mm -hmm. permanently because they kind of could. But now I think just because junglers need to show on midwave just to have some kind of sense of experience, I think that also slows down the game. Because I think Fnatic and, and G2, like season nine, Always in fog, ganked you on side, made things happen. And now you just have to be like, oh, I need this, I need this. You're kind mm -hmm. of like a beggar in, in the middle. You're like lane. watching the rise full clear the wave. You're like, oh, yeah. you need help? He's like, no, I can one shot the wave. You're like, oh, no, you definitely need help. Oh, yeah, you need, definitely you need, need help. That wave. Oh, what? That's so crazy. <laughs> oh, sorry, dude. Whoops, fat finger the smite. There goes the cannon <laughs> creep. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, it's just 80 gold. You're fine. You can get it back off Raptors in a few minutes. Yeah, so like I think jungle has two different ways you can play it. I mean, either the first one is you stand on fog or you stand on the mid wave and take the XP. Or you like hail Mary gank a side lane and try to kill them and like take the tower on that side or like dive them. If you're playing like Elise or Jarvan, like level eight, nine, you can just try and dive the enemy solo lane in a one three one setup and then you can get a kill, maybe. And then you can push out the wave and then it's bonus XP instead of just the mid wave. So yeah, that's about it. Really. What was it? Take a was it take a major well you said it on the when you're on the cash test with this, like take a major objective or get a pentakill. Yeah, so the only way you're getting enough XP. Exactly. <laughs> you can catch up in XP by just taking Nash. Or getting a penta, I think that's the best ways. Which uh, is what junglers should be trying to do. Yeah. Taking Nash, getting a penta, probably not. You did say yourself that you should never be taking kills. Yeah, never take kills. But I mean, if you get a team fight and you five for zero them, and you push out all waves, you're automatically two levels up just from that. And then if you get Baron as well, it's a free one level and a half almost. So, yeah, that's where the real money's at in jungle for XP. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's time, time to run TP jungle. So. Yeah, I remember someone did that last year. Smite TP on like. Skarner or something. I can't remember what it was. On it was Spellbook they used, I remember. <laughs> okay, Spellbook. Yeah, spellbook. I was going to say, yeah. oh yeah, wait, I, was that Origin who ran oh, like five t five Spellbooks? I remember playing Urgot last split as well and I was playing Spellbook and uh, I used to play it in scrims oh and it was God. really good. I forgot about your... I had like 80% win rate in scrims with it and I, I would go... I forgot that was you. <laughs> you know, I would go Spellbook and gank the enemy solo lane with my ult and then just kill them and TP to Nash. It was the craziest thing ever. Uh -huh. Yeah, I remember what it looked like on stage. Yeah, on too. stage, it was just a massacre. <laughs> it was, it, I think it was a scrim god type of thing because we were scared of it. We were really, really scared yeah. of it. I it think we were scrimming self me man, and he was just like, just one v nining on. Because like you reach level nine on Urgot and you had the perma W on, and then it was like yeah. just one shot all the camps and and the two v two was unlosable. You know, if you have Syndra Urgot and you hit the stun on Syndra and then Urgot 
Orgotol just flies out the bush and Syndra ults him. It's just a one shot. There's nothing you can do. Just sounds like budget Karthus. That's what it is. Kind of. And then like I would get to level six and just have my Ignite Urgot with Red Smite and ult. And then Lee Sin Qs on me and then just flip him to one shot him. <laughs> the golden days. This is all right. This is absolutely to, to round out this segment before we get to, I think the real the real meat of the top five junglers about talking who's on top, what makes them good. I do want to know, do you have any wild solo queue picks, Urgot-esque solo queue picks that you can share with the people at home? Mm, I think Dark Harvest Champs are really strong in solo queue because even though you don't have as much XP nowadays, kills are really important. So champions like Kha'Zix are pretty fine. I think Echo is a really good jungler right now in solo queue. You just get Dark Harvest and get some kills and you are you can actually 1v9. I think Talia is really good. I think uh, Elise is pretty good. Lee Sin. I think Lee Sin is the best. Give me something edgy. I don't want to hear a Lee and Lee Sin come Edgy champs. Echo I mean, was good. Yesterday I was playing Cho'Gath and Lulu jungle, just trying those out. I think Lulu, I was, my, th my thought process behind Lulu was if you have Soraka top and Lulu jungle and you're used, like I imagine Rek'Sai, right? Like a level 8 Rek'Sai, it's just useless in teamfights. But if you have a level 8 Lulu jungle <laughs> with Red Smite and Ardent, maybe you're actually useful, but I haven't come to any conclusion. Oh, we should yet. cut, we should cut this. Cut right here, we can't but let, this, we can't let the screen pick but I, Keep this. Yeah, yeah, don't, don't, no, no. But, but honestly, I played in solo queue, it was trash, so <laughs> I'm not playing that. All right, he's led, you've led them off the scent. But there's no outstanding solo queue jungler, so I think everything's pretty trash. Apart from Lee Sin, it's pretty good. It's fun. <laughs> There you go. That's the state of the jungle. Everything's pretty trash apart from Lee Sin. It's um, true. <laughs> after the break, we're going to break down the LEC's top junglers. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're trying something new. We tried Yamato ASMR. We're now going to try, we'll just call it improv. So I'm going to provide a situation, uh, and you two are going to improv. This could absolutely be a disaster, but like I think the worst thing that it can be is mediocre. So if you're going to go in, just go in, boys. That's all I can ask for. Um, so... I will, I will be your dramatic radio announcer, and I will take you into the situation. <clears throat> Here we are in the mid lane. Two players at opposing ends, both in need of experience and gold. Yamato Cannon, a mid laner. Kadril, his jungler, and scene. Yo, Kadril, help me push this wave out. The enemy has TP. Okay, let me just throw my Q. Oops, I just took all no, your Yes. No, no, my base is gonna be worse, man. Oh no, I took all the creeps. It's mine now. <laughs> Don't run away though. He's freezing, he's freezing. Oh, Help but me. My raptors just respawned. I need them now. <laughs> no, my lane is over. I'm taking these raptors from you. Sucks for you. I'll just help you push the next one. <laughs> all right, man. All right, that's perfect. I realize I'm not supposed to say scene at the start. I'm supposed to say scene at the end for learning. Scene <laughs> and scene. Oh. Beautiful acting. That's everything that we could possibly hope for. Well done, boys. <laughs> so when we invited you on, the first thing that we kind of, we love lists here, as the people at home have noticed. Mm -hmm. And we wanted a list that was less likely to burn us than our tier list, where we put Shalka A, um, <laughs> which is clearly about this third degree burns right there. We have burned ourselves as bad as we can be burned. So we thought top five junglers feels a little bit safer. Um, so as far as lists goes, we're going to be referencing my list today. Um, all three people have lists or close lists, depending on, like, everyone knows who their top five are. Ordering's different. I know who my top five are, and I know the order they're in. I'm an overachiever, so you guys can flame me, you can roast me, but I imagine that we're all going to be in the same general area. It feels yeah. semi-defined right now in the LEC. But before we get into my list, I want to talk to you both just briefly about what, what makes a good jungler. In your guys' eyes, like what what do you think the role needs as a baseline? What makes really good junglers? If you can think of examples of people who have been exceptional for those reasons, share them because I, I think like the I think mechanics the easy one, and then just efficiency of time. I think uh, just identifying where you're supposed to be on the map is always the question. It's like if you if you pause the game at any point in time, where is the jungler? Is he in the right spot? Is he playing for the right thing? Uh, I think. It is difficult sometimes to gauge how good a jungler is uh, because it is very reliant on how good the laners are. But I think there are some cases where it is very, very clear. I think, for example, with self-made, with SK, I think it was very easy to say, okay, this guy can identify where he's supposed to be. He's hovering the right lanes. He's uh, getting uh, the mid to be 2 prior when he's supposed to. He's making it very difficult to track him. and. Um, uh, there are some cases where it's more difficult, like the Fnatic case of last year. So I think, for me, efficiency of time and mechanics. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think mechanics mainly comes from solo queue. I mean, you can just take a jungler from the top 10 in solo queue and just know that his mechanics are pretty on point. 
Uh, and I mean, the two things in solo queue is mechanics and just having a good brain and just knowing <laughs> where to where to get some free kills. But spot the inter, huh? Yeah, spot the inter exactly. <laughs> and locate the inter and just target him. Um, but I think when it comes to competitive, it's hard to tell, like Yamato said, who ha, what really makes a good jungler because you can have a really good team with really good laners and a bad jungler, but you wouldn't really notice it because the lanes will make up for it by saying, "Hey, come here," or like telling him what to do in a sense. Um, but a, a good jungler is someone who can just think for himself and just kind of plan out or work out where he needs to be on the map at what time. Uh, a jungler who's efficient and is really good at not falling behind. So I think there's some junglers who, when they fall behind, they just don't know what to do. But even when you're behind this jungle, you can still have impact. And I think junglers that know how to push the game forwards uh, in terms of when to take objectives and what places to be like playing around and understanding win conditions and stuff like that. So yeah. I mean, for me, it sounds a lot like... Like, I think the one thing that I identify strongly with there is that the um, the difficulty of kind of figuring out who is a good jungler. And I think that's something that we suffer with in Europe a lot because we have the Fnatic and G2s of the world. And if you're a jungler on one of those teams, you pretty much always look like you're a, a top five jungler by default. Now, that's no flame to, to Yankos or Selfmade or even Broxa in the past, but it's very hard to dissect outside of, like, clearly in plays who is actually bearing the burden of communicating, who is actually doing that. Um but when we look at it, I just to me, jungle feels like one of the most um, difficult roles on like an intelligence level outside of mid lane, I guess. On a, I'm trying to find a word here. Difficult in a big brain sense, which is not definitely not <laughs> big the brain sense. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like the most cerebral. Like I hate uh, that word, but it's the most <laughs> role. Like critically thinking role. Yeah, critically sense. thinking role yeah. because I think that like lane you. Laners have to understand a lane matchup, right? Junglers have to understand a jungle matchup, but then junglers need to understand also what each individual lane needs. And while I think that there is some of that for top lane, right, knowing to TP if you're playing GP, knowing like when you need to alt, why you need to alt, um, it feels like outside of mid, jungle is the, the role where you have to think about the map state more than anywhere else. Yeah, I think jungle in the early game is kind of subjective. You can kind of do whatever you want and just make sure your team gets ahead. But when it comes to like mid to late game, it's very objective. You have to play around... Uh, certain lanes and just be very like you said like thinking critically on where you really need to be and what where to put resources in a sense um so yeah i think that's what makes a good jungler so like you said it's kind of hard to find if you're a good jungler on a good team because it all comes down to communication so if the jungler is talking the most and he's on the right place at the right time you could argue that he's a good jungler but if he doesn't talk that much and he's just a mechanically gifted player just following his team then it's kind of hard to say whether he's good or not because he brings different kind of things to the team Sure. I think I have to say one thing, though, when it comes to junglers, I put a little bit, a bigger hint of responsibility on them, because, like, if you have a 3v3 on bottom or a 2v2 on top, like, if your bot lane doesn't know how to force it or how to prepare it, it makes it harder, but as a jungler, you can, like, be the, the, the arch that kind of just overtakes it and takes charge of it, mm -hmm. while... Uh, as a laner, you can't put a gun to your jungler's head and say, come, come, come. <laughs> that, that happens sometimes, sure, but I think uh, the, the responsibility falls a bit, bit heavier in the jungler's hands. You just lay, you just lay, like, look at all this juicy creep experience, Cadrill. You could be level five. Doesn't level five sound <laughs> nice? Yeah, I think jungler, like you might say, is a huge catalyst independent on what happens on the map. And I think that uh, you have to identify where you want to be on the map and where you want to make things happen. And then, yeah. So, for example, if bot or mid is an Armageddon, then you have to be around there. Yes. And if top lane is Soraka versus Sona, then you don't have to go there. <laughs> oh, man. Why do you got to give the people the preview of what, what next week is going to look like? I mean, if you've been seeing, like, uh, some solo queues, like, everyone's playing Soraka now. So, <laughs> I don't know what Wunder's done to the ladder. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, it's interesting being in a region with G2 and all you other, let's say, call it creative players. Um, but let's get into the list. Normally, we do, like, five to one. But I think one is probably the easiest so i thought we would start there and kind of work our way down and see who makes the cut into the top five so number one for me none other than g2's yankos i feel like while we can look back at worlds and talk about how much his kiana was atrocious um for the most part he's just he's incredibly consistent he is a player who always feels like he goes into game with a plan he knows what he wants to be doing um uh, and, he, and he's also just very good at adjusting where he needs to go now, like all G2 members, it's hard to tell exactly how much, um, like how big of a piece of the puzzle he is, because we just know G2 as a unit are incredibly strong. But to me, Yankos just on paper appears to be the strongest, most consistent jungler that we have in the league. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that uh, playing against Jankos, you can notice that he's hard to shut down, hard to snowball against, and he never falls behind. And he's always where he needs to be most of the time. Uh, and he has a really wide champion pool. He can kind of play whatever he wants from like Olaf to Kindred to Gragas, anything really. Um, I think he is yeah, consistently the best jungler in EU. And I think that you can look at historically as well. He's won MSI, he's won uh, quite a few uh, LEC titles now. And yeah, he always has been a pretty good jungler, I think. So he's the best. I remember from working with Jankos back in season five that e even back then, his eye for uh, setting up ganks was was really unmatched in comparison to anyone else I've worked with. Like he, the, the first Blood King might sound like a meme at this point, but it's it it, it really, came from really somewhere. Yeah, and um, the the Rocket days, uh, he he always always figured out ways how to go really really hard in the early game, and this was an issue for us because in scrims. We won every game in 10 minutes, so when we, when we were on stage and everyone plays like crumpled up under the turret, we didn't know how to play mid-game and, and so forth. So I put him on Nunu duty. But uh, I wanted to point out that I put Xerxes ahead of Jankos coming into the split on my tier list, mm -hmm. simply based over the world's performance and how weak G2 have been in early game for such a long time, uh, even in uh, the series against, um, you know, I think in the series against Fnatic, he did super, super well. I think he was by far the better jungler uh, in comparison to Broxa. But I was a bit worried in regards to G2, especially with their first week performance uh, when it came to their early game. But I think that's been improving. L second week now against OG, I think he proved me heavily wrong. So I'm 100% on the Yanko's first place train again. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little tougher for Olzer, say, once the Gragas and the Jarvan were gone. Uh, it seemed a bit di more difficult to impact the early game. Um, one thing I want to end on Yankos is just because he is such a historic player, and you both have kind of as long as you've been a part of the scene, you've like you've watched this guy, you've seen this guy. What changed for Yankos to make him the best? Because for a long time, remember when Trick joined, he was on kind of that that was the H two K era of Yankos, and it felt like he was always on the outside looking in, and Trick was the guy on Graves on Gragas, making highlight reels. It was him and Perks dominating the league. And up and until some of the international performances and the final moments of Trick before he left and then eventually came back, it always felt like Yankos was was close, but not quite there. Um, so what what changed to like really elevate Yankos to be teammates uncontested number one? Is it is it just that simple? Was he always this good and it was just now he's just on a good team? I think he's been consistently very, very good as as Cadel mentioned. I think uh, the time when Trick came into the scene like, I remember the first split, Trick blew my mind. Like, screaming against Trick was like, holy Jesus. And then Spirit also came in at the time, and they yeah. were just, like, next level. And uh, Europe was relatively weak at the time, and uh, G2, uh, together with Perks, Trick, 2v2 mid, just took the world by storm. And then G2 was consistently dominant over and over for two years straight, and uh, it was hard to break that. And I think... Uh, uh, with with Jankos now, uh, even on G2 when he was on Brom duty, uh, there were times where they were really, really good to be to mid as well. So I think that was already the beginning of uh, uh, the potential there because the first spring split before they blew up in summer with the Yarnan uh, Wunder mm -hmm. roster, uh, they were actually, like Jankos was looking super, super strong. And then Brom duty, and then it looked worse again. And maybe that uh, leaves like a scar in everyone's memory. Mm. I think maybe uh, there's two factors. I think what Yamato said is true. I think teammates is a big deal for jungle. I think it's something that makes you stronger as a player. It makes you learn more, and it makes you have more options if they're just playing better, in a sense. I think something else which is really important for junglers, which I think experience is a huge deal when it comes to jungle. So he's been playing since, what, season four, season five, something yeah, like this? Something like this, yeah. Uh, so he's obviously played like f almost five seasons worth of jungle, so he's been through everything. So he kind of knows the insides and outsides of the counters of everything, the jungle, pattings and stuff like this. And even though the game does change and develop, some of these things can al always be brought back. And I think that the creativity has always been there for him. And yeah, I just think the consistency along with the experience and his mechanics are still really good. Yeah. So he just kind of ticks every box in a sense. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, as a as a final thing before we move on to my number two junglers, that um, I think it's really I think uh, mid lane is crazy because it's like the huge champion pool. Top lane suffers from a similar thing where the meta changes. Eh, bot lane's a little less volatile. I'll say there's like two metas. There's range support metas. There's melee support metas. Your yeah. champ, your AD carry has a dash or it doesn't have a dash, and that's about the that's only two it. metas that we ever <laughs> see, right? But for jungle, it's not the meta of champions is actually also I would say overall historically pretty stagnant. Um, but what I will say is that. 
it's the only place where your role essentially gets reworked every year and all the pathing, all the things that you've learned, the things that are important change so consistently. Um, and so it's impressive when a player can, I think, stay top three in the jungle role, especially through the evolution of Europe and Europe, let's be honest, like kind of exploding in terms of uh, like skill ceiling and like the level that we can show at international events over the last two to three years. So shout out to Yankos. Number two on my list is Zerse. There are concerns on my end that maybe he's just a Gragas abuser and that's why he looks so fantastic <laughs> on stage. Um, I've, I've, I've been hearing that recently. But um, this is a guy who, when he entered the scene, I think was like kind of a crazy innovator and it feels like over the years has kind of toned down on the crazy, can still innovate, but has been learning much more, I think became much more of uh, a leader and a strong voice during his time on Splice when he kind of had to be that voice and just seems to be on on this Origin roster, outside of the G2 game, uh, just ridiculously consistent. And to me, feels like, uh, yeah, worthy of the number two slot. Mm, I agree. I think Xerxes is very consistent. I think at Worlds, he had a really good performance uh, against SKT. His Rek'Sai was pretty good, and his playoff role at Worlds was really well, really good when I watched it. Um, I think he has a few weaknesses, uh, but yeah, like Jankos has no weaknesses, I think, in a sense. But I think Xerxes does have a few. He's really consistent, but I think sometimes his early games are a bit uh, iffy, shaky. Sometimes he has maybe some champool issues as well, I think. But I think overall, like looking generically at Jankos, I think, uh, Xerxes, I think he's a really strong jungler. I think he's played a long time as well. He's got a lot of experience. And I think over the years, he's become more of a voice, I think. Maybe when he started, I don't think he talked as much. But now I can see him in games. He's always talking, mm. keeping up the communication. And yeah, he's always where he needs to be. He's pretty good. I'm yeah. curious. You're like you're like listing off flaws, and you're, you're I f- feel like you've agreed with me that Xerxes is good. But do you agree that Xerxes is the second best jungler? Yeah, I think he's the second best. You think he's the second best? You're willing to agree with me? I actually am willing to. Okay, all right, nice. So, so for, for the record, off the air, you were like, I don't know. Number one, easy. Number two through five. All right, we've convinced him. Yeah. I missed the spice. I missed the Warwicks and the Zacks. <laughs> I missed the, not the Warwick so much because waiting for him to either get two kills and get a Tiamat at four minutes or not have Tiamat and the game would slow down. But I do miss the Iverns. Yeah. I miss the rumble in the jungle. It's kind of terrible now in the current jungle, though. Kind of awful, yes. Um, so that kind of blows. Like for Ivan, it's the, the, the jungle changes were disastrous because when the spawn times were big, that was perfect because you kind of like put flowers there and you plant your stuff yeah. and then you can wait and that's better. And now with like you're literally a garden tender. You just yeah. do you just do laps around the jungle. Now when you take the raptors, it's kind of depressing. You're gonna wait for like nothing, you know. Mm. It's like it's a it's yeah, a bad it's harvest. So <laughs> <laughs> sad. But, but all these like wacky champs that he has, like yeah, uh, Rumble, Ivern, Warwick. I think he has like really good pocket picks. But I think that he lacks, uh, for example, on Lee Sin. I think he's not a confident Lee Sin player. He's not like uh, Yankos or Inspired or Selfmade or me who just play Lee Sin nonstop in solo queue. And for example, I think his Jarvan is also a bit shaky. But I think outside of that, like Elise Gragas and Rek'Sai and even Pocket Picks, he's got a really good champ pool. I just think that uh, there's some weaknesses in it. Yeah, and I think, I think that is a pretty big deal. Like, I think it's easy to say, like, hey, he does a lot of things well and kind of gloss over that. But those are key fundamental champions. And like, wow. if, that, if, they're, if you ever are top jungler versus top jungler, as we saw, you know, kind of like Xerxes versus Yankos and the Jinja versus Origin, and shutting you down is or can be as easy as banning away Jarvan, banning away Gragas, limiting some of those picks and forcing you into a Lee Sin or a Rek'Sai and kind of uh, limiting a lot of your impact. That's a, that's a huge deal. Yes, it won't matter if he's battling a 6th, a 7th, an 8th place jungler. Mm-hmm. won't be that important. But when you're top team against top team, that's hugely deciding factor because Lee Sin can be the highlight montage champion <laughs> or he can be the... I didn't get two kills in the early game. I'm a walking kick. And make or break. I, yeah, it's just nothing. It can be it's nothing. It's your walking kick because like Rek'Sai is a walking tremor sense. Yeah, it's, yeah, walking, it's true. <laughs> Rek'Sai's even more everyone's, everyone's a walking X. Yeah. <laughs> Past an early game. Right yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, unless you're like, if you're Jarvan or Gragas, you get to be a walking like three things. You can be yes, an EQ, yeah. you can be an R, Gragas can be a body slam <laughs> and a bit a of a cast. tank. Yeah, be a tank a little Rek'Sai bit. Rek'Sai is just a squishy... It's, when I play Rek'Sai in teamfights, and I'm, even when I'm ahead, you're just trying to snipe people with Q so you can finish them <laughs> off with ult. That's about it. If you E in and you get hit by a Nautilus hook, you're just one shot. <laughs> you're living the fantasy of, of being the shark. You just only finish... There's, you have to wait for there to be blood in the water. You're exactly. not allowed to do anything till that point. Yeah, you just have to sit analogy. in the back of the teamfight, maybe knock up a single person. I don't miss old Rek'Sai, but when I watch 
new Rek'Sai and late game team fights, I do miss old Rek'Sai. Multi-person knockup. The, the split push Cinder Hook Rek'Sai <laughs> with Titanic Hydra just pushing sides, and if there's a team fight, I'll ult in, guys. It was so toxic. <laughs> um, number three on my list, and this is where it gets hard. Number one and two felt really solid to me, um, but from this point on, it's like really up in the air. Um, number three, I, I gave it to Selfmade um, on Fnatic currently, but last year I feel like it was such... There's a lot of junglers who have consistently played on like pretty good teams. I feel like Cersei being one of them, like yes, we can talk about Unicorns of Love have struggling. Yes, we can talk about Splice struggling, but they've always they were always pretty good, right? Um whereas this SK roster that Selfmade played on was a bit of a mess, mm-hmm. to be honest, and Selfmade was the shining light of that team. And I think I, I give him a lot of that credibility, obviously kicking off with a, a game where he Gets to abuse Sejuani, as we talked about. Just solo kill Illusion, basically, in the middle of a fight. Really looked fantastic. And the first weeks with Fnatic have been a bit scattered, but I do think that we saw a lot of the things that made him good, even in their first game, um, where while they ultimately couldn't convert into a win, um, or the game versus Origin, like, his Kiana was... He burned two flashes in, like, the first four minutes of the game. Sadly, it didn't convert past that, but you saw that he was like constantly moving. He was where he needed to be. He was consistently making plays for a few minutes. It did slow down after that when Reckless had no way to get target access and the entire team relied on a Wombo combo. Mm-hmm. But I think I think self-made, while he, to me doesn't have the consistency of Cersei, st- is still the thing that I look for in an early game jungler. And for me, when I look at junglers, early game is pretty much everything. Yeah, I can sort of agree on the third place. The thing I have with self-made is He's a really strong jungler. His mechanics are probably one of the best in Europe. I have to agree in the top three mechanics. He's probably one of the best. The thing I see with Selfmade is like that Kiana game. When he doesn't get ahead, like he's not 2 or 3 zero on his carry champion, it doesn't look like he has as much impact as, like for example, Jankos and Xerxes when they're 0-0-0. Zero, zero, zero. Um, and I think he's sometimes maybe a bit like explosive in what he does. So he goes for these crazy plays or, for example, in the Gragas game against... Uh, Schalke, he just like randomly runs bot after losing his top camps and gets a gank and it works. So he has these creative ganks and he is really smart about when and where to gank. And that's what makes him like super high elo in solo queue most of the time in every season. But I think that sometimes when he's not ahead, he struggles a bit. Uh, and then that's the only criticism, criticism I have self-made. Um, but in terms of the last year SK lineup, when they made it to playoffs, it was quite surprising, I think. He played really well. Um, but even with Trick, maybe I think the roster is... Even though it is weak, I don't think it's the weakest roster. Mm. Trick, I think, is a different player than Selfmade in terms of aggression and just consistency. I think Trick can maybe slot in a little bit, but Selfmade was... When you slot in a super like high-tempo, aggressive early-game jungler into that team, it's sometimes hit or miss because your lanes aren't as strong. Um, but but I have to agree. Yeah, top three is... yeah. Like you say top three. You say top three mechanics, but you're scared. I mean, you can just say like like. Yeah, no, I think he's definitely top five, one hundred percent. Oh, I agree. Yeah, okay, so that's good. But, but I think I mean, Inspired is also super good, ooh. and he's also on my list. Spoiler. Yeah, I think me self made Inspired is like the three, four, five. I don't know which order to put it in because I think you can put, you can arrange it in different ways. You can say in terms of mechanics, I think self made is third for sure. I think in terms of consistency, I mean, you could argue Inspired and me. Because of the, I mean, Selfmade has had some good games last year, but it's yet to see if he is consistent overall. Because even if you can't make plays on a champ, for example, on Kiana, I didn't watch the full game, but maybe there is ways to like play for team fights or just play defensive or just fall a bit behind. Um, but yeah. So let's let's actually open this up then, um, and just like kind of add more names to the discussion. Because you said three, four, five, and we I have the same three, four, five monitors. Three is Selfmade. Four is inspired and five is Ukagel. Mm-hmm. Um and Yamato, I want I kinda wanna weigh weigh in before we start talking about each of these names. If if there's anyone that you think should have been on this list that wasn't on this list, if you think there's anyone who's like just outside this list. Honestly, no. Not that I can think of. Like the only person that maybe stands out is like maybe Shadow, but he got uh, you know killed and it's like <laughs> it's too soon to say, you know, it's way too soon. Uh, I agree with the sentiment that uh like Time makes like a jungler, you know. Mm. Like, do they do they stand the test of time? And uh, now, with um, with I think uh, all three of you that we mentioned, self-made, inspired, and and you, Kedro, it's like uh, this year is a very very defining year 
because last year self-made was on SK, Inspired was on the Rogue Rosa that was uh, on the up and up. You guys were also on the up and up in the end, mm -hmm. didn't make uh, to the playoffs, but you guys were still improving quite drastically coming into the end. Uh, I feel like this year is like the true test. So it's like I'm, I'm with the opinion that three, four, five can be any of you three, but I don't think anyone else outside of this belongs here. Yeah, I think at the moment, I think self-made inspired third is probably um, the best. I think like Yamato said, by the end of the year, we'll see where the teams are at and whether self-made does slot into Fnatic well, whether this road roster will succeed, whether we are going to be a good team, hopefully. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think outside of the top five, it's really hard to judge because um, Tricks coming off a decent year with Schalker, I would say. Maybe some inconsistency here and there. Not the greatest, not the worst. And then now he's on the SK lineup, which is a lot worse than the Schalker lineup was. So it's hard to see where anything can happen there. Uh, and I think there's three rookies, so it's impossible to judge them right off the bat. But I do think out of the three, I think Razork kind of stands out a little bit for me. He's playing against uh, two of them so far. I haven't played against Skeens. Uh, I think Razork was not bad. But Shadow, yeah, he got killed by my mid lane level two, so <laughs> it's hard to say. And then I think Gilius has had some poor performances, so it's hard to rate the other five in that sense. So I think yeah. that's why this top five is kind of like there's a line in between. Yeah, know, I, I, to be fair, I don't... I think that Trick hasn't looked the best. He's had some pretty meh games. Gillies has had some pretty bad games, and there are three rookies. So I think yeah, two of those people me. are easy to rate. They're clearly outside the top five, and I think the other three, it's like, hey, let's give them some time yeah. before we put them there. Because um, it's not like Trick and Gillies have not been around. Mm -hmm. Like We know what those guys look like. Um, and I'm uh, hopefully for both of them that they can kind of improve and step up. But focusing back in on, on 3-4-5, now we hit self-made. Inspired is a name I want to talk about because last year I had, oh, Frosker and Invedius, like, talking to me about this rogue roster, like, oh, man, Inspired's so smart. He's such a cerebral pather. And all I saw was, like, all right, he's playing Olaf. He's doing Olaf things. <laughs> but to me, like, I'm always the guy who loves the players who are making plays, who are getting kills, who are making things happen. So while I could appreciate that Inspired might be in the right place at the right time, he wasn't always the flashiest jungler. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what your guys' read is on Inspired. Because he's obviously had, since I've looked back at him that was like last so starting of last summer um he's obviously had a big leap in improvement but i want to kind of gauge where you guys think that he's at like my impression of inspired uh you can correct me if i'm wrong because i think i would value your opinion more on this uh my impression is that uh like maybe the issue with rogue in general sometimes when you're playing against the best of the best uh if you're in a position in the game uh, there are some risks that you need to take for example maybe you have to sit in this bush and that's like that's the gamble you're going to take. You're going to lose your bot side camps or something like this uh, for it. But maybe that's the gamble you need to do in order to uh, like increase your chances of winning instead of like waiting for a later moment where your percentages are going to be lower. I haven't seen Inspired taking taking like those big risks. Like okay, right now the game state is this. If we don't do this now, 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 we're going to lose the game later. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, when you're playing against a G2 or a Fnatic, then this is. Uh, what you need to analyze. But I think this might be like a, a bigger issue for Rogue overall, but this is something I've seen uh, and what comes to my mind when I think of Inspired, because I think he's very consistent, uh, very smart in terms of where he needs to be, but doesn't do that like little extra in, in positions of the game where Rogue might be lacking. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see, I agree. Uh, I think Inspired's the kind of person who is not going to lose you the game, but he's not going to like win you the game. He's not going to take a risk by like uh, being really aggressive. He's always going to choose the defensive play just to make sure the game stays even. Like he's not going to go for a risky herald or like a risky bot dive. He'll never take like a 70-30 or 60-40 chance. He'll always just go for the defensive play, but this is not always a bad thing. I think it's always that that kind of outlines his consistency because if you never take the risk, you're never behind. So that just leads to consistency. But I think against top, top teams like uh, Origin, Fnatic and us maybe and then... Uh, uh, G2, the top five teams in a sense, you kind of have to take risks sometimes. So I think when they do face against uh, G2 and stuff like this, if you do just play defensive and just keep the game in an even state, you're just going to get rolled eventually by teams like G2. Um, and I think against bottom tier teams, it's fine to play defensively because you know your players are better. So I think against uh, Vitality, they had like Pantheon Elise and they were just kind of permanent around drive, trying to dive. And he just kept covering every dive because he knew that we're a better team. I'll just stop their plays from happening, and then my Azir will kill everyone. Yeah, I've never so, seen. There was that game. That's how it went. It was good. It was good play, though. It was. I mean, it was. They kind of just waited to win the game. Yeah. But I watched. You go from watching like 
four forced dives onto Finn to Finn solo killing Cabochard yeah. with two armor items, and you're like, ah, I see. This was a game of League of Legends. But I feel like if, <laughs> if, if you kind of swap the teams and put G2 with that draft, yeah. I think the defensive play has to be done in a sense, but I think you're still going to get rolled mm. because you're not making anything happen on the map, and then your solo lanes are just killing everyone. So against Wunder perks, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen as much. Uh, so yeah, There's two things that I, I want to hit before we let you go, Cajal. One is you and where you see yourself. And if you're and if you feel if you're feeling introspective, talk to us about what you think your strengths are, what you think your weaknesses are. And the last thing, and you can hit these in either order you want. Excel is top. You just like Excel top five team. You just you just you snuck it in there. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, you know, you got your rogues and your origins and your fanatics and your and your excels. You're just like, bam. Currently two two. Mm -hmm. You got you got to give me a little bit of something something. Why is Excel a top five team? I think that we in the off season we did really well in the off season. I think that. Most teams did pretty bad in the offseason, I'm not going to lie. Either they oh, took okay. risks, like Vitality and Misfits took huge risks. I'm not Vitality, uh, Mad Lions and Misfits took huge risks by going five rookies on both squads. So I won't, I'll exclude them. I think, uh, for example, teams like Vitality, that team got weaker, in my opinion. I think uh, Mowgli Jizuke was a, a pretty good duo where, you know, sometimes they had you by the and they were like pushing in mid and, and, and Mowgli would just walk into your jungle level two and they were like really at your we throat. We called it psychopathing? Yeah. yeah, because you just look over and Mowgli's contesting the first <laughs> camp as yeah. a loft. You're like, why is he here? So sometimes it would loosen the game, but sometimes you have to kind of dissect them to win the game. Whereas this version of Vitality, even though we haven't played against them, it looks like they're just sitting there and they are trying to play Pantheon Elise, but the dives aren't clean, the lanes aren't strong. There's no real threat. It's just like a puppy dog instead of like a bulldog. Mm -hmm. um, so Vitality, I feel like, got weaker. I think Schalke overall is weaker as well. I think uh, losing upset Ignar kind of hurt that team. And Trick was actually really well with Ignar, I think, working pretty well. So I just think overall teams got weaker and we just got stronger. I think our bot lane is a lot stronger. I think uh, Mickey is a lot more comfortable. So he's you can see him popping off. And Xpex just a rock, so he's always doing well. And I think that looking at our four games so far, I think the rogue game, yeah, we took six towers and we were doing really good macro, but we just ran it down in a team fight. And then the Misfits game, <laughs> we don't talk about it. <laughs> but I feel like we're a top five team right now. I wouldn't say we're, I wouldn't say top five is in like top, like top of the top five. Yeah, I'd yeah, say like fourth, fifth, maybe. Yeah. I think rogue is maybe a step above uh, ahead of us. And I think Fnatic, Origin, and G2 are top three. Um, but I think Rogue has a lot of potential to be in that top five, and I think we do too, in that top three, sorry. Uh, and we can contest for it. I wouldn't say as of right now we're anywhere close, but we can try our best. So. Oh. I, that's cool. I mean, the thing then, uh, then the, the first question that I ask you is, is, like, where do you see yourself in this Excel making the top three puzzle? Talk to us about Cadrill. Because you've had, you've had insight on everyone else. You're like, bam, <laughs> is it going to make you play? Is it win the game? Lose the game yourself? Maybe it's a snowballs or say, yeah, he's like, I forgot what you said about Cersei. I'm not going to lie. It's been eight minutes. I got the attention <laughs> span of a goldfish. But um, yeah, what, what, who is Cajal as a player? Mm, I think I'm a very vocal person. Like in the game, I'm speaking a lot, trying to get conversations going. And just in terms of tracking enemy jungler and what I want to do on the map, I'm very, very vocal about it. And it's very set in stone um, on what I'm doing. I think my champion pool is pretty good. I think that you can't really... feels like I can play any anything on stage, really. I have comfort with anything. So if my team's like, oh, we have to go jungle 4-5 on the pick phase, I'm like, yeah, sure, it's fine. I think uh, I'm fine taking risks. I think I do go for some aggressive plays, but I also am fine taking the defensive plays. It's hard to... I think the hardest part about the player is to find your own weaknesses because once you can criticize yourself, then you'll become a great player. Uh, and that's what I'm trying to do, find my weaknesses. I think sometimes I struggle with like going for hyper-aggressive plays and sometimes I struggle with like some team fights maybe I misplay a little bit here and there so like in the Misfits game when I was playing Jarvan I went a bit too deep sometimes in the team fights um, but yeah I think right now I think I'm quite comfortable where I am I think last year was a fine year even though we came ninth and 10th <laughs> it was the most disappointing year ever I think with my individual play I felt okay I didn't feel like hugely disappointed by myself but I felt like I was doing fine um, but this year I want to really show up and I think I have the resources around me to do so. I think our team is pretty strong and I think if we do make playoffs this year, I just want to play really well and just shine hopefully as a team. Uh, as one final thing, this is something that Yamada, you kind of brought up yesterday when we were talking about having Cajun on the show that I think is like a final question to close this out is we talk a lot about like already about the people that have been here for a long time. But Kajal, you kind of been here for a long time. Now your mid lane career, admittedly, not as successful <laughs> as your jungle career has been, 
But do you put yourself in a camp with Yankos when it comes to that seniority, that experience? How does your mid lane experience kind of add up with your jungle experience? Or do you mm -hmm. still feel like, while you are a much more veteran player than a lot of these players like Selfmade or Inspire, do you feel like because you're new to the jungle role that you put yourself in a similar similar camp with them? Well, I think I started in the pro scene as in terms of LCS with Schalke when we qualified to LCS, which was 2018, 2017. Mm -hmm. 20, yeah, 2017. So I guess it's been about three years now that I've been around. One of those years was mid and me just running it. <laughs> so that wasn't it's good. canceled Malzaharl, one of my favorite plays of all time. We don't talk about <laughs> it. Like, I think I kind of came to terms with my laning phase is never going to be as good as caps or perks or anyone like that. So I, that's why I roll up in the first place. And I think I'm a very vocal player. So that's why I like the jungle role more. I think playing mids has helped me understand waves a lot more. So I'm very, I, I can see a mid wave or a top wave or a bot wave. I know exactly what it's going to do. And I think some junglers are a bit unsure. And I know uh, a lot about matchups in mid as well. So I know which mid lane matchups are AFK farming and which ones are Armageddon. So I know when to be around mid most of the time. And I think that's what helps a lot with working with our, the mid lane on my team because I can talk about matchups with them and we can have discussions about when we can move together and stuff like this. Um, but I think in terms of the question of whether I'm in Jankos' kind of area, I think nowhere close <laughs> in terms of experience. I mean, that guy's been to Worlds multiple times. He's won titles. He's played on the biggest stage as possible. I don't think I've played jungle on a big stage yet. So I'm yet to see how that goes. Even mid lane, I don't think I've played on a big stage. So I've never played in front of like an audience of like 50,000 or whatever it was. So I'm yet to get that experience and I'm yet to make playoffs as well. So... Yeah, I wouldn't put myself very high up on experience, but I think in terms of knowledge, I'm high up. But in terms of actual experience, uh, not sure, not so sure yet. Oh, I'm. I mean, I'm excited to to see the kind of the evolution process of you as well as Excel, um, and to see if the the position of yourself in top five becomes more contested as some of the lower down teams. Uh, Figure their stuff out. We'll say that's the kind of maybe the nicest way that I can phrase it. But thank you so much for, for joining us, Cadrill. Um, LEC is tomorrow, 6 p.m. Uh, CET, starting with SK versus Mad Lions, our match of the week on Saturday. The final game is Fnatic versus G2. It's going to be an absolute banger. Um, we're a few weeks away from our new set. I'm going to see if we can uh, steal back some of the pictures that were taken from us. But in the meantime, we will see you all next week for another episode of Euphoria.